Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Longhorn Notebook. And uh, joining us on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina hotline is Lifetime Longhorn, uh, former Longhorn assistant coach, uh, junior college winning national championship coach, and 20 years the head coach. At Texas State, and of course, now one of our analysts on the Longhorn Baseball broadcast, as well as on the ESPN Plus telecast there of Texas State, working with Brant Freeman. Good to have the coach, Ty Harrington, on with us. I, I get the feeling maybe in 1985 when you were a Texas Longhorn, 38 years ago, probably Queen wasn't at the top of your playlist. If you'd had an iPod back then, probably wouldn't have had uh, Queen involved in that. Am I right about that? I, I know you're a classic rock guy, but were you into that? Uh, you know, I was, yeah, I was on the verge of, I mean, again, I, you know, my roots were country and Southern rock, um, which is what you kind of grew up with in Waco. And, uh, but in 1985, when I hit Austin, Texas, my, you know, longtime friend and teammate Doug Lindauer started introducing me to a lot of different music and uh, a lot of different things. And uh, Queen was right. I mean, it was, yeah, I got to say, I mean, I got to say it was starting to become part of my, if I would have had an iPod or my normal listening, it would have been, uh, you know, KLBJ, I guess, would have been playing it some. Yeah. And, uh, you know, 90, so I, I guess. I guess so. Yeah, I was. And when I heard you say that, it kind of dinged me a little bit because you said 38 years ago, and I was like, "Whoa!" And I think that got my attention a little bit more. And and uh, and you know, and since now, you know, if you listen to Freddie Mercury and, and Queen, and just how unreal his voice and how he could carry so many different levels of it is just. So unbelievable. Absolutely. I, I, and in my concert vending days, and folks know about my background when I put myself through college in the uh, early 80s selling T-shirts, working either for the band or for the arena, I remember working a Queen concert uh, at uh, the old Summit in Houston. Now it's Joel Osteen's church down there. But uh, uh, but it, I, I remember the show that they could put on was, was something else, and they certainly did so at Live A. Of course, 1985, you were just coming off a heartbreaking loss in Omaha to Miami there. Two of them. Yeah, two of them, where, where it would have uh, taken just one win. It was kind of like how the Longhorns ended up in a heartbreaking fashion with, with Stanford needing just the one win and two tries there. So, so then probably, I would imagine, by July, one month later, not that necessarily you were over the loss, but you had to move on past it, and you were in your off-season work, right? Such as it existed back then. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was back into. Well, for me, it was you know summer ball, and a lot of guys went off and played at different places. I actually would stay and live in Austin and um, and work summer camp at Coach Gus's camp with Coach Bethay and and uh, Coach Gus, and again. At that point, I'd already decided that coaching was going to be a part of my career or my, at that time. And so I would stay. And, uh, yeah, so the all-season would be camp from 9 to noon and then go find out where the Waco Pirates was playing and what was then the Texas Beer League. 
<laughs> and uh, and you would play doubleheaders on the weekends, and it was really a lot of fun. Now, it, it was a great baseball lesson. You play with so many ex, you know, professional players in that league and current college players, and uh, but it was really a lot of fun. I learned a lot about baseball, people, travel, just a lot of different things, and uh, it was fun, and uh, it was a great time. And it was hard to get over that '85 uh, season. That was one of the best teams I had ever played on. Uh, and, and if you go back one of these days, I'm going to take the time and go back and look at all of the big leaguers that were involved in that 85 World Series. I mean, you're talking about, you know, Pete Incavillo, Oklahoma State, the Mississippi State, Texas, uh, Miami. I mean, there was just that, that whole Omaha year was just riddled with, with big leaguers all over it. And, um, and it was a very special time in, in Omaha. I still go back to it and think about how, ESPN has grown with college baseball in Omaha from, you know, just hearing the ping of that metal bat on ESPN as opposed to a wooden bat for professional baseball. And you remember the old brown dirt that was in the old Rosenblatt? Yes. And, and just, you know, different things like that. I mean, I can remember, again, I tell this story often leaning over the fence in left field, uh, watching Ben McDonald give up the home run to, to Paul Carey, the grand slam. And, uh, and then, you know, Stanford ended up beating us the next uh, game and um, my senior year in 87. And uh, so a lot of special memories. And, and um, man, I, those are things I'm, I'm certainly proud and excited to have been a part of some of the most unbelievable athletes on those 85 teams or those 80 teams at Texas. And it, it was a lot of fun. Visiting with Ty Harrington and, of course, uh, Major League Baseball draft was this week. And uh, it's wrapped up now. Uh, through the 20 rounds, uh, and uh, first and foremost, uh, a lot of the conversation is going to be about uh, the guys who are either not drafted or uh, were drafted uh, very, very late to the point that you would expect them to return to Texas. Toward that end, just a little while ago, Baseball America tweeted out its quote-unquote winner's and losers, college baseballs, college baseballs, winners and losers coming out of the 2023 draft. The winners include LSU, Stanford, UCLA, and Texas. And what they wrote about the Longhorns is, and I'm quoting here, while recruiting classes drive most of the winners and losers on this list, Longhorns entry is mostly based on returning players, specifically right-handers LeBaron Johnson Jr. and Tanner Witt. Johnson Jr. went undrafted, and Witt was not picked until the 18th round. They are now expected to return to the 40 acres and have the potential to give Texas the best one-two punch in the country. Texas recruiting class also got a significant boost when outfielder Will Gasparino went unselected, while the Longhorns uh, lost powerful right-hander Travis Sikora in the third round. Getting Gasparino to campus is a big win and is a boost in a position of need, end quote. So that was what what their take on it was. It has also been announced within the last couple of hours. Uh, uh, Tanner Witt announced he's coming back in just a little while ago. LeBaron Johnson, LBJ, said he's coming back as well. So I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Uh, the the guys who were drafted, Dylan Campbell in the fourth round, 136 pick overall by the Dodgers. Uh, Lucas Gordon, sixth round. 
uh, taken by the Chicago White Sox. Travis Staley in the 12th round by the Washington Nationals, 345th pick overall. Zane Morehouse in the 14th round to the Cleveland Guardians. Garrett Gilmet in the 15th round to the Astros. And then Tanner Witt in the 18th round to Baltimore. But again, uh, Witt and LBJ both have said they're coming back. So you followed it very, very closely Ty, you saw where those guys were drafted, and now we know, obviously, officially, that Tanner and LBJ are coming back. How about your thoughts overall on the, the draft and how the Longhorns were affected by this? Well, let's start with, how about since 1965, you know, K-Rod put this out, the University of Texas has had a guy drafted every year. I think that's fascinating, and I think it speaks volumes about the, the program, the coaches, the players, the type of athletes and people that have been involved in that program. Secondly, congratulations again to all of the guys that were drafted. Um, I know it's always a goal for every guy that you coach that comes to you in collegiate baseball that that's their next step. You know, that's what they they've been working towards wanting to get to a Division One you know program. Then then next after that, you know, to get to professional baseball. So certainly, congratulations to those guys. But if you start to look at the the, the Tanner Witt and LBJ, the guys that so far that have announced that they're coming back. Um, what a what an unbelievable place to start on the pitching staff. I mean, you're talking about two really power arms and uh, guys that are incredibly competitive. I thought LBJ's um, progress this year was really good. I mean, you know, a guy that at different times his fastball command occasionally would come and go, um, but I thought that he made the baseball go three different ways this year. He made the ball go, you know, his fastball command at a at a high velo. Um, and then he was able to command. He was able to get a, a smaller breaker to run, you know, from right to left, and then his splitter to go left to right. I mean, there was there's a lot to that when you can do that. It created so many swing misses um, for LeBaron Johnson, and occasionally if he got into a bind, you know, the old swing miss strike three is one of the quickest ways out of a bind. Nobody else has to play, and uh, nobody else to get involved. And so I, that's a great start. Um, for, for Texas and their pitching staff next year. I, I agree with Baseball America, whomever puts that out and says that, you know, that is a plus for them, and it is. Um, and then, you know, Gasparino coming in, too, you start to get some of the incoming guys that are, you know, highly thought of, sought-after players, you know, they are expected to make immediate impacts. But then you also got to look at, you know, there's a lot of recruits that, as a coach, you think are going to be great players. That's why they're recruited to your school, and there's always one or two of them that come in that were not necessarily under the radar for you, but maybe from a national perspective that come in and, and make an immediate impact too. And so for them not to lose any of those guys as well, obviously is going to help with the depth um, for them moving forward and, and getting started for next year. The, the guys that were drafted, and you know some of those guys right now are probably having to weigh um, as to what they want to do. Where you know are they going to come back? Are they going to sign? I think he, I was listening to Jeff say the other day that you know the, the majority of the top ten draft picks rounds, almost all of them, you know, majority of them sign, which is true because of the way the money is slotted nowadays. Um, and I think that has an, uh, an instant impact on whether a guy decides to stay because of the money or he goes. I'm sorry. And I just think that some of those guys are starting to weigh. You know, their decision, maybe some guys, this this goes into effect a lot of guys' mindset. Have they graduated yet? Are they about to graduate? 
what does that look like? Because a degree from University of Texas or a degree from Texas State University, all those start to, to have a, an enormous amount of value to them as well. And, and one of the things I think that these guys think about the baseball is so important at these universities, particularly University of Texas. You know, you watch a guy like at, at LSU this past year, some of those guys that already graduated, they walked off that field and they're going to, they're, they're, you know, what they're going to mean to that university, they're never going to go without a job. They're never going to go without, you know, people knowing who they are, right? And so they're, they're padding and building their resume, you know, as a person and moving forward based off of their success on the field at universities where it matters. I mean, it truly matters. And people, you know, when you look at those possibilities and do you want to be on the mound when you get the last out in Omaha or, you know, at a, at a super regional or all those things where, you know, people start to, to, to form, you know, legacies beyond even what they already were. And so I think some of the players that they got drafted a little bit later probably having to weigh some of those decisions and some of those mindsets um, as to do I go back. And, and nowadays, you know, you hear people talk about does NIL have an effect on later round guys and, and, you know, and, and them being able to, you know, make a little bit more money than beyond just the scholarship side of it um, and being able to entice guys to stay into college baseball, which you and I love because selfishly speaking, I'm glad all those got drafted, but we'd probably all love to see them come back because yeah. man, that just makes college baseball that much better. Right? Yeah. And even guys who uh, uh, weren't drafted now, Eric Kenny, of course, was out of eligibility and assigned a minor league deal, I believe with the Royals. And then, and then uh, somebody's asking about Porter Brown. They also asked about Lucas Gordon, but I think you just touched on that. They're in the negotiation period, and one would expect him as a sixth rounder to probably sign. But uh, and same thing, obviously, uh, with Dylan Campbell being a fourth round pick of the Dodgers. Uh, and by the way, for those uh, folks who are listening that know that I'm a Val Dodger fan. If, if you're asking me, I'd rather see him in a Longhorn uniform next year than in a uh, Dodgers minor league <laughs> uniform next year. But they also ask about Porter Brown. And, 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 and Porter would be a guy who would have one of those decisions to make, whether, uh, because he's already graduated, has a degree in hand, so he could go ahead and, and bet on himself, so to speak. But, you know, he'd be starting out. In, and that's the one other thing I wanted you to touch on, Ty, uh, is that guys – who either go undrafted or drafted pretty low, what that life is like for them starting now uh, if, they, if they go that professional route, what they're encountering, the level of the minor league, what the bus ride's like, that kind of thing, uh, To if they're starting now their professional careers, what they're encountering. Yeah, well, it's a different lifestyle. Um, and, you know, you'll hear guys talk about and this is not meant in a negative way, but it's just reality. It's, it's a little bit more – are comfortable for these guys to play at these major division one schools and these beautiful facilities and the way college baseball has evolved. And, and then they go into, you know, uh, a whole nother team mindset. It's not the same as, you know, playing for an allegiance of a university or your teammates. And now it becomes strictly business, right? You are your own entity, your own LLC. You are, you are the guy that, you know, is going to make this your business work in the professional sports, and it's a little bit tougher. The bus rides get longer. Uh, facilities, for the most part, in minor league baseball have gotten a lot better without any question they have. And, but it is. It's a different, a different lifestyle than what they are accustomed to. It's, there's some unfamiliarity to it. Um, you're taking, you know, pieces out of there where you're used to having the same type of teammates, coaches, instruction, your, you know, your organization of a day. 
is has changed from what it probably was for three years, maybe four years. And uh, so all that's, you know, gets changed. And it, it is a lifestyle um, change for you moving forward. And uh, so it's not, it, it's, look, it's, it's a dream for every player to get the chance to go do that, right? And that's what you work hard to at different times in your life. It is a goal for most of them. And, uh, but it is different, Craig. And it's a great point. It, it's not like waking up in Austin, Texas every day, going to class, having the same teammates, same coaches, playing in front of 7,000 people, you know, interviews nonstop, and all those things that, that go along with playing at major Division One programs. Now, now all of a sudden, it, it is business. And it is, you know, strictly, you know, the, the, it, it, that's what it becomes. You are your own company now. No doubt about that. He's Ty Harrington, 20 years, head coach of Texas State, and other years, like I said, on the Longhorn staff, won a JUCO National Championship as well, and uh, uh, one of our broadcast analysts as well. Always great to visit with you. Hope your summer's going okay, and and, and uh, hope to see you around the corner. Well, I will say this. I saw or I heard you say earlier, I should say, I heard you say the hottest day of the year, <laughs> and um, I believe you. I'm not, I'm not going to be one that says that it is not – but I'm going to remind you, in February, when it's cold, up in the booth, and, uh, you know, today was the hottest day, and it, didn't, it wasn't as bad as it was as it cold, right? And uh, so I'll remind you of it. And then one last thing, Craig, I, I found it really fascinating. I listened to you guys in Sark's interview and, and, and college coaches now. You guys do such an unbelievable job of interviewing them, too. But don't when you agree that they, they've gotten uh, so much more open with information and, and, and talking, and there's just so much – more, you know, we were brought up in that as a coach, you know, hold everything as close as you can to your chest and don't let any information out. I just find it really refreshing. I think it's got to do with the way you guys ask questions too, but I just find them, they're just more information come out. It's fun and it's fun to really hear and, and, and exciting. And, and uh, you guys do a good job of asking. I think they, they share more information than probably our era of coaches did. No doubt. Uh, they're a lot of fun to talk to about that. You're a lot of fun to talk to as well. I appreciate it. Stay hydrated. Keep cool. I will do my best. All right. That's Ty Harrington.